this episode of our award-winning podcast, we'll continue our discussion about documenting and reporting social determinants of health, or SDOH. Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. Joining me again from Vizient are Rachel Mack, Consulting Director for Clinical Documentation at Vizient, and Connie Ryan, also a Consulting Director for Clinical Quality Improvement at Vizient. Rachel and Connie, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. It's good to be back. Yeah, thanks. So in the last episode, we discussed the importance of documenting social determinants of health. So where are some of the barriers in doing that? So, Tom, I hate to make this a joke or be funny, but where do we even begin (laughs) with the barriers for capturing these? There are so many barriers to capturing social determinants of health. And I'm going to walk through them kind of like a bulleted list, but these are not in order of importance in any way. So speaking to what Connie said on our previous episode, first and foremost, the ICD-10 code set was officially updated and adopted in the United States on October 1st, 2015. And I think anyone who has worked in both ICD-9 and ICD-10 will tell you this was a huge improvement in capturing more specific diagnoses. Prior to this, we didn't have very many codes related to social determinants of health. Not that very many folks were paying too much attention to them at that time anyway. Even though, again, Connie mentioned this earlier, we have been focused on social determinants of health since the 60s, since the 70s. That's how long things in medicine really take to come to fruition. So second, particularly in the inpatient space, what tends to happen is that the most acute problems get the most attention, which makes sense, right? Often there are multiple life-saving measures being completed in the hospital for patients, things like blood transfusions, sepsis or infection care, ICU level of care, surgery, end-of-life care, things like that. So the acute or the most acute diagnoses receive the most attention to detail in the documentation. And social determinants of health often get forgotten about because of the tremendous amount of attention being given to significant medical diagnoses like sepsis, acute respiratory failure, et cetera, which should also go to show you (laughs) that many chronic conditions, let alone social determinants of health, but many chronic medical conditions are left on the table as well. The other important thing here is that, and I hate to even mention this, but it's the truth, Z codes and the social determinants of health codes, those are currently Z55 through Z65. Z codes do not currently contribute typically to improved payment for a hospital. So of all of the Z codes, only a handful of them are CCs. And one of those CCs, which again, I have so many high horses, but I think it should be an MCC, is homelessness. So when it comes to CDI, which traditionally until relatively recently has been very financially focused, these codes were simply, they were not the focus of CDI. And again, that is slowly changing. The last piece here, and this just kind of makes me sad, but providers and physicians may feel limited in what they can do or what guidance they can give to assist patients with their non-medical needs. There is no medication, no one therapy, no fix-all for social determinants of health. There's not a magic pill. These are layered, difficult societal issues that many physicians feel very powerless to fix. And then lastly, the electronic health record is a blessing in many ways, but it can negatively impact how well these conditions get documented. Couldn't agree more. You've mentioned in the last episode that pretty much anyone can document this, but it doesn't fall on the providers, which I compliment because it's less burdensome. But truth is that this is probably going to fall within registry and areas of 
the healthcare system that has a very high turnover and people with the least amount of education. And I mean that respectfully, thus making them uncomfortable if they get specific training. Do you think that that's going to be a barrier moving forward? I do think it's a barrier moving forward. One of the big things that we are consulted to do is go across the country and complete and perform and mentor physicians with their documentation improvement education. What doesn't come into play very often is our dietitians, our physical therapists, our case managers, even our bedside nurses. I think our bedside nurses do pretty dang good documentation, especially for significant events, but I don't think any of them receive true ICD-10 food insecurity, housing insecurity education at all in the way that physicians do. And it's kind of a little bit of a toxic loop since we can get that documentation from them and they're not the ones to receive that specific education. Rachel, you mentioned about electronic documentation, whether it be in the inpatient or in the outpatient realm. Do you see maybe some modifications in helping us in reference to documenting or even final coding of social determinants of health? Yeah, so I will answer the inpatient question first because I feel like I'm kind of the queen of inpatient. And Connie, feel free to address the outpatient question next. But yes, is the long and the short answer to your question. Electronic documentation impacts the documentation and final capture of social determinants of health. So I'm going to go a little long-winded here, got a couple of points. So the Journal of the American Medical Association, or JAMA, reported in 2020 that at least 50% of all inpatient medical records may contain an error, which for the CDI specialists and coders listening on this, I don't think that comes as any type of surprise at all. So unfortunately, errors in general, even related to medical diagnoses, errors are rampant in our patients' medical records. And these errors happen for a variety of reasons. Problem lists, and Dr. Tom, I think you can speak to this, problem lists are not cleaned up hardly ever in the inpatient space. Also, many of the problems on a patient's problem list have no dates, which means they have no context applied to them. So some problems don't go away, right? Let's say uh, CKD stage three or hypertension that a patient's had for 20 years. These are chronic conditions and maybe those don't need dates, that's fair. But problems like a femur fracture after a motor vehicle accident with acute blood loss anemia or a bout of sepsis following a procedure. If these are patient problems from 1998, they are probably not currently applicable. Maybe they are, who knows, but probably not. But without dates for these problems, this is impossible to tell, which is why many facilities will not or do not allow their medical coders to code from that problem list. So far, we've got errors in our medical records. We've got clunky, junky problem lists that are never cleaned up. And then we've got patients with multiple inpatient stays where there is a lot of copying and pasting going on. So again, getting a new social determinant of health, let's say food insecurity, into a patient's record is a real struggle. There's already a struggle to get medical diagnoses accurate in records. The other thing is here for social determinants of health, like Connie mentioned, like you mentioned, we can capture and code these based on documentations from clinicians who are not the patient's provider. But this is a twofold problem. And I already mentioned, these clinicians are often not educated in accurate documentation for ICD-10 code capture, which if you're listening, this is a great place for CDI teams to start social determinants of health education. And second, and again, this is a stinky onion problem, many CDI specialists and coders 
completely skip over these notes. And I'm saying that with all the love and kindness in the world because I've been there, done that. Many CDI specialists skip over these notes because they are either using a CDI technology that simply doesn't bring social worker, case manager, whatever notes in, which is why we always suggest reviewing the record as is directly from the EMR since it's a source of truth. And a lot of CDSs and coders unfortunately skip over these notes because of their efficiency and productivity requirements. They may not deem these notes important. So the result in the inpatient space is notes that could have extremely high value for capturing those social determinants of health are overlooked. Connie, did you want to add anything about outpatient space documentation? I think you know a little bit more about that than me. The problems in the outpatient setting, I think, pretty much echo the inpatient setting, the problems with problem lists. And I think we're all familiar with those. But I I will say that given the barriers, there are some really great assessment tools out there for social determinants of health. You can go out and just kind of do a Google search and find some of those. They're free, no cost. But that might be one way of beginning to work past those barriers, getting some sort of an assessment tool in the EHR, but it's definitely something to think about. So what is Vizient doing to address social determinants of health? So Tom, Vizient is doing quite a bit to attempt to address social determinants of health. Firstly, we have a direct line of communication and have been in conversations with the CMS about the importance of capturing these. I didn't know that until relatively recently that Vizient had a voice and a direct communication with the CMS, but we do, which is absolutely incredible. Second, as part of our mortality calculator, we have a Vizient variable called housing and economic circumstances that we keep expanding every year. We have other Vizient variables related to family issues, history of abuse, lack of family support, unemployment, legal and criminal circumstances, and occupational exposure that also help identify some of these conditions and can increase the patient's expected mortality or direct cost estimates or length of stay estimates if we can get those captured appropriately. Over the past year, Vizient has created what is called the Vizient Vulnerability Index, and we abbreviate everything. So that's abbreviated the VBI. And we have a particularly incredible data scientist here at Vizient named Heather Blonsky, who is really at the forefront of this here at Vizient. But the VVI is very interesting, and it's looking to measure community social needs and structural inequities really at a a multitude of levels, systemic, community, institutional, and then inter and intrapersonal levels to truly see how this data can be used to improve patient lives. But what can we do since we've received coding information from 97% of academic medical centers and more than 50% of our community hospitals across the country, we can now take that information, ingest it, digest it, and have it tell a story. So when our members are trying to compare apples to apples, right, cohort to cohort, member to member, AMC to AMC, and they go to ask themselves, why do we have more deaths than our competitors? That answer, yes, it may be due to documentation. Yes, it may be due to this, that, and the other, but that answer becomes very multi-layered. And when they really start looking into that data, they find out they have 
three times as many patients with chronic conditions. They have four times as many ED visits in a year than this other hospital. They have a 50% Medicaid population and an additional 10% uninsured population, whereas the AMC across the street only has a 20 to 30% Medicaid population and little to no uninsured patients. So Vizient is trying to take all of this data and again, make it make sense for some type of human improvement in the future. So what's in the horizon for social determinants of health? Okay, so not to sound like a, a simpleton, but we have got to capture these. That At the end of the day, we are never going to know more about our communities until we start capturing them. So again, this is a systemic hospital, I don't want to say problem, it's a challenge that I think people can overcome to go out and educate your dietitians. Yes, we love your malnutrition documentation, right? That's wonderful. That's awesome. Ask the patient about food insecurity. Ask them if they can open a can of food. Ask them about access to fresh food. If they've got that documentation, the CDS can query for malnutrition, but they can absolutely pick up that food insecurity piece of documentation. That's just an example, something like that. But again, we cannot do anything if we don't know more. And I think at least the next five years of CDI is going to be spent trying to get more of this final coded. I've been a physician for almost 30 years. And unfortunately, unless you can tie in dollars to actually support getting data or support to do this additional capture of information, I don't see it expanding. What's your thoughts about this becoming mandatory or being tying into some additional dollars for healthcare? Nope. Uh, that is an excellent question, Tom. And Connie, I'll let you answer after me. We might have similar perspectives with different stories. So, you know, this is going to sound very nerdy of me, but I love mandatory reporting. Let's just put it out there. So I'll give you another example of mandatory reporting that's coming down the pike either this year or next year. Right now, and this is a medical diagnosis, but it is what it is. Right now for stroke patients, the coding guidelines say that we can capture NIHSS scores. We can, you may. Long and the short of it across the country, only 40% of hospitals are capturing NIHSS scores, right? I'm hoping those two words in the coding guidelines change in the near future that says, if your patient has a stroke, you must <laughs> capture NIHSS scores because having an NIHSS score of one versus 20 is quite a different clinical picture for a patient. So that's a medical diagnosis example, but I think honestly, again, speaking to everything that we talked about in part one, I think it, no pun intended, it should be mandatory to be mandatory because these are things that impact patients at the root level of this, which again, is where they live, what they have access to, medications they can get, how do they get there. At the end of the day, these are going to be peat and repeat readmissions that hospitals get negatively dinged for until we can reel this in. And again, going back to everything I was just saying, we don't know what we don't know. Connie? Exactly. I agree. And I will add to that, Tom, I think just for the reason that you've said that there have to be dollars tied to it, I think that's probably why mandatory reporting is headed our way. I think what I would like to see would be education. I think education is absolutely vital in this. And wouldn't it be great for everybody to be kind of ahead of the curve on this? 
get your folks educated, start looking for those, get an assessment tool in the record so that your coders are able to go out and pick up these social determinants of health codes without looking at 15 different places in the record that they normally wouldn't have to look. And they've just got one assessment tool to go to that maybe more than one discipline can contribute to and not putting additional documentation or administrative burden on providers. So yeah, I think it's coming. And when it does, there have been other things that people have said, no, that's never going to happen. But we see Medicare spending per beneficiary is now something that is being watched and hospitals are being evaluated on. This is coming too. And we've got an election year coming up next year. So everybody brace yourselves. Great job. Rachel and Connie, thanks for joining us on these two episodes and providing your perspective on social determinants of health. And to our listeners, you can contact Rachel and Connie at their email address in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email, modernpracticepodcast at visiantinc.com. We've posted a link in our resource section as well. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thanks for listening.